GP Insights, a health cert podcast. Practical advice for busy GPs on how to treat with confidence and grow their practice. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome and thank you very much for joining us for this week's podcast. And I'm uh, very grateful to have with us today, uh, Matt Willard. Hello, Matt. Hi, Paul. Excellent. Uh, Matt's been with us on a few times before, but Matt's the COO of the National Skin Cancer Centres. And uh, Matt and I have actually collectively been working together for ooh, almost 30 years now, Matt. About 30 years. Clinics. Yeah, we don't mention that number. Um, but uh, for the last 25 years, uh, Matt and I, but mainly Matt when it comes to operating, um, have uh, built, owned and operated 40 general practices, skin cancer clinics, et cetera, over that time. So a little bit of experience and uh, varying from uh, once again, skin cancer clinics through general practice. But uh, once again, the principles realistically, whether you're running a subspecialized clinic or a, a family practice or a general practice are pretty much identically the same because it's really much about serving patients and having doctors and staff help serve patients and delivering hopefully great patient outcomes. So today's topic is we're talking about effective practice management. So uh, Matt, I'm going to ask you the questions, and then if I've got something of value, I'll definitely will chime in. But uh, as I said, Matt's the operations master, so I'll definitely be looking forward to his responses. So the first question we've got, Matt, is what are the key components of effective practice management in a skin cancer clinic, which would also apply to a general practice? Well, there's lots, Paul. Um, I think when it comes to really effectively running a practice, it starts with everybody being on the same page. So this is practice managers, doctors, nurses, receptionists, and owners. And that's, you know, having open, honest, and regular communication between those parties. And that sort of starts with everybody being on the same page. At an operational level, elements like efficient appointment scheduling, streamlined patient workflows, optimized resource allocations between patients and doctors and, and, and your staff and comprehensive record keeping are all key elements that go into effective um, practice management, I think. And then uh, just going back to your first point about trying to get everybody on the same page. I mean, I, I'm conscious of, you know, how does one do that? Uh, knowing that obviously doctors are typically, you know, independent subcontractors. So they're, they're obviously not employees of the uh, organization as such. Yeah. Um, what tools or methods have you sort of been able to deploy that tries to get everybody to be on the same page? There's always a big challenge, especially with doctors being independent contractors and basically not employees. With our staff, it's easy. You know, we can have regular staff meetings. And in most cases, we we like to have staff meetings and have doctors included in those processes. Uh, we can't make doctors attend those staff meetings, as you know, but we do find in most of our centres a very high turnout from doctors to those staff meetings. Uh, clearly communicating across the group, you know, when we're making a change or we're doing something, we don't just tell the receptionist that we're making this change. We share that change with our doctors. And um, I also like to say that, to be honest, the lunchroom is absolutely one of the key areas of keeping everybody on the same page. And you, as you know, Paul, in a, in a number of centres, we've been successfully able to have everyone have lunch at the same time. And when everyone has lunch at the same time, you get to have those conversations about what's going on in the practice. You get to be able to discuss the issues and problem solve things together. So there's a number of different elements. Um, you'll always have challenges with 
one you know, usually a doctor who just doesn't want to engage with everybody else and just do his own things and that's always a bit of a challenge but it does mean that you know you've got that particular doctor you're going to have to make a separate time to sit down with that doctor and go these are the things that are happening in the practice and where we need your input and where we need your I suppose compliance yeah I think I mean to your point I mean I, I think that you know the core thing out of that is communication as I said it's not one person it's everybody and creating those effective communication platforms. I mean, you can use your, once again, your electronic medical records to distribute certain information. You can obviously print it out, put it in your lunchroom. Um, but we are conscious that for, for most practices, there's obviously a lot of casual staff that might only work certain days of the week. Same thing with doctors, et cetera. So whatever you're sort of creating from a communications perspective, make sure you're aware it's not just lunchtime on Tuesday, we told you all. Yeah. Um, but I think that the other thing that, that we've also learned from our experience is explaining why. So when you're sort of looking to make, you know, a change and trying to communicate within a practice, you know, particularly if you're changing something that obviously is going to impact others, is to, you know, explain the why first so that people understand why you're doing something before you're actually physically doing it. Because if they can understand why you're doing it, then they all can, you know, once again, understand, buy into the process rather than coming along and saying do this and everyone's going well you know that's not broken why do we have to do it um they might not understand either from the owner's reason or the manager's reason why these uh particular changes if there are changes that need to be made um so i would definitely focus on um you know sharing the why first and that's what we've sort of tried to do um as best we can to uh communicate that first and then what is the action as a result of the why and sometimes it may be useful also to give them a background as to why that is a problem, right? So there is the, you know, the background of the issue, why we're we making these changes, and then obviously what are the changes we're needing to do. So um, I totally agree. And, and definitely around um, efficient appointment book scheduling, I know that from, you know, I know from your experience and from my experience as well, that's sort of like one of the absolute keys. If you want to optimise the utilization of your doctors and you know let's be conscious of the fact that doctors are a time limited resource within the practice um, to make sure that you know if a patient cancels we refill the appointment uh, with somebody else I mean all of those so what sort of systems and processes have you had in place to help you know optimize you know the utilization of doctors through appointment books well, obviously, when it comes to our appointment books, it's about working out how long each appointment takes. And with skin cancer, we have the luxury of a lot more structure and a lot more control over our workflow. With general practice, you know, you open up a 15-minute appointment for a patient, and the, honestly, the doctor has no idea whether that patient needs two minutes or 25 minutes. So it's a bit of a averaging out. But with a skin check, most doctors will do regular skin checks at the same pace. So a one doctor will do a 15-minute skin check. Nine out of 10 skin checks will be a 15-minute skin check. Um, the same with procedures. This type of procedure takes 30 minutes. This type of procedure takes 45 minutes. And this procedure an hour. So we have the luxury of really building structure into our appointment books so that our, our doctors don't run an hour over at the end of the day and that our doctors finish on time, that our staff don't deal, aren't dealing with patients standing in the waiting room saying, I've been waiting an hour to see this doctor, what's going on? So we have that luxury, um, but it really does come down to identifying how long everything takes. 
and then building an appointment book structure around that doctor. And not every appointment book structure will be the same. We don't have one model or one structure for one doctor that then is applied to everybody else. Different doctors work at different paces and have slightly different workflows. So we customize each appointment book and each workflow to that specific doctor. Excellent. Um, so we're just talking about patients then. So how do you ensure a seamless patient experience while maintaining efficiency, you know, in a clinic setting? Well, I think it also, that starts with understanding the patient's needs and, you know, are they, is the patient feeling sick and in your practice because they want to feel better? Are they there because they're taking a preventative health step, such as a skin check? Or are they there because their wife nagged them and they ended up coming in for something? So understanding the patient's motivation and what the patient's needs are is, is probably the first step. We like to be, you know, we prioritize clear communications with our patients. We minimize wait times by, you know, when, you know, in telling a patient if they're a new patient, they need to come in 15 minutes early to register. Um, we run on time because of our structure. So that minimizes wait times. And we provide easy access to information about what happens in a skin check. So, so patients aren't blindsided by the whole experience of a skin check, which involves getting undressed to your underwear. And sometimes that can be a little off-putting for people. So those things are what, many of the little things we do to try and keep a seamless patient experience, I think. And I think one of the other key things about this is also for practices, you know, if you don't do it, is definitely to be able to have a patient feedback loop. I mean, um, I know initially when we started the business, we used to use a process called MPS, so Net Promoter Score, where we would email the or SMS the patient after the consult and then ask them to rate it out of 10, their likelihood to refer a family or friend and why they would give us that score and one thing we could improve to next time. And we used to use that information to understand where the bottlenecks or where the issues were within our business. Because like anything, it's very hard for us to understand what the patient experience is, you know, whether it's we're administrators or clinicians, you know, within a practice, because we you know we see we see our bit. But let's remember that the patient journey starts from picking up the phone to come into the practice, you know, getting checked in, obviously seeing a doctor, maybe somebody else, then you know, billing and then whatever follow-up and um, we you know more recently have been focusing on Google reviews because we still get the feedback but then obviously it's in the public domain which obviously uh, helps when people are deciding which uh, practice they might choose to go with um, but I'm just conscious that when it comes to the seamless patient experience that definitely been getting the the feedback from your patients and also reading that feedback and taking action on it is critically important so um, as I said, we can do what we think is best in the best interest of the patient, but I also encourage practices to ensure you do have a, a feedback mechanism or process so that you can get actually real information from your patients. And if you do find a patient has had an unpleasant experience, my recommendation is engage with them, you know, have a conversation, learn more, uh, let them vent so that uh, you know they sort of keep it between you versus going to social media and telling everybody, please don't go to this, this practice. Um, but I am just conscious that, you know, we there is, you know, quite simple methods to be able to understand how we optimise the patient experience because ultimately that's who we serve. So, Matt, so what are some of the challenges faced in, a, in managing a practice and, and how do you overcome them? Well, there's a lot of challenges in running a medical facility like 
many businesses. Uh, the top of our list is, is probably managing high patient volumes. Um, and where do we put patients when we don't have enough practitioners? Or we have the opposite end of that where we have low patient demand and we have more practitioners or more doctors than we have patients. So we're managing those two scenarios, uh, doctor recruitment and trying to balance the patient demand with doctor recruitment is, is, is really important. Where we have a situation where we have uh, a low patient demand, you know, patient marketing or engaging with overdue patients and bringing patients back on in, in keeping patients to their, I suppose, their skin check schedules is important in helping us overcome those challenges. We also have, you know, challenges relating to handling complex cases with, you know, patients who have high care needs and maintaining those. We also have lots of challenges around maintaining regulatory compliance. There are a stack of guidelines and rules that impact our business on a daily basis, that impact how we operate, how our doctors operate, how we bill patients. You know, at the end of the day, standardized processes, using technology and continually training our staff and keeping our staff up to date with how we run our practices and standard operating procedures is the only way we can really get ahead of managing challenges in a practice. And on top of that, you also have the sort of the ad hoc challenge that no one sees coming from the left wing, where, you know, it might be a, a staff issue or a, an issue between a doctor and a, a patient and a complaint or something like this. And all of these really need to be managed on an ad hoc basis as they arise. But it does burn up a lot of time in managing these practices. We, we spend a huge amount of time in managing ad hoc challenges that pop up on a daily basis. Yeah, and I, and I think one of the other... Um you know, core challenges, once again, is managing our internal human resources, right? So just from the perspective of, you know, a lot of the stuff you're talking about is, you know, call it, you know, demand and supply within a business, um, you know, as I said, you know, compliance and all those sorts of things, which we understand. Uh, but I think one of the other core challenges a lot of practices have really is around managing the workforce. So in other words, you know, trying to find the right people, you know, want to keep the good people, you know, we obviously probably don't want to keep the but not so good ones, um, and then trying to, you know, create a workplace where people like coming to work because that's obviously an important thing. I mean, money is obviously important, but obviously, you know, the enjoyment of where they're working is also very important as a business. So I'm, I'm just conscious that I, I think, look, you know, we could probably spend an individual session going through each one of those in great oh, depth and could. Uh, we'd still be talking about it. Um, I mean, just for everyone's benefit, we're, we're going to be releasing actually a medical business management course a little bit later this year, which actually goes into all these topics in detail. And this is not meant to be a promo for the course. It was just just comes to front of mind as we're doing it because we're recording it as we speak um, with relation because, I mean, all of these topics, I mean, if it's talking about doctor recruitment, well, you know, that's a structure and a strategy of itself. As I said, you know, patients, engagement, managing staff, uh, all of those things. So I think that, look, we, we, we're we sympathetic and understand that, you know, after 25 years that, you know, running a practice is hard. But as Matt said, is what we tend to find is, you know, we put out one fire and then the next fire then suddenly arises. So we'd love to say that it's all smooth sailing, but unfortunately, um, you know, the ship could be going very well and then suddenly hits a couple of rocks and then uh, all hands at the wheel to obviously help navigate through that process. Um, so Matt, the other one I was going to ask you is around, you know, utilizing technology to improve, you know, once again, I suppose the running of a practice. So 
what have you know what have you done or what's your experience around trying to utilize technology to try and improve the practice well my first comment would be carefully um, technology can also be a burden if it's not implemented correctly especially when you're trying to be innovative and we we often see the you know the latest device gizmo or widget that comes onto the market we all look at it and go this is what's going to revolutionize our business we can put this technology in and solve all these problems as much as technology can solve problems it brings problems with it so you know Paul you and I have both had experience over the years with you know putting in technology that just doesn't meet the expectations of what it was promised to do so I just say be careful around technology the core technology that we use is our electronic health records, you know, and these, you know, streamline the documentation for clinical notes, appointment scheduling, patient management, and there's really, really no room for this technology not to work. The good news is that after many years of electronic records, the major software providers in this space have good solid platforms that I must admit, are, are incredibly reliable, and we've had minimal issues over the years with the, the, the electronic health records component of our business. Technology can also be used um, to better manage online appointments, facilitate health uh, telehealth services. There's diagnostic tools such as you know dermoscopy or, or, or imaging used for skin cancers. There's also remote patient monitoring, which is becoming more and more prevalent or more and more available where, where doctors can use um, devices to monitor patients remotely with chronic health conditions. But we are seeing this technology coming in and I suppose at a, in strength. And I just always say, be careful about the technology and becoming too dependent on it. Because once you become dependent on the technology, it is very hard if the technology fails to get away from it. So I, I say that with a, a bit of a warning, I suppose. Yeah, I th and look, I, and I agree. I mean, look, we, we would all accept that, you know, technology is here to stay. And, and I think what the warning that Matt's sharing and as I agree, we tend to be early adopters in trying to put certain technologies in because we, you know, we understand that, you know, things will keep moving forward. And we all understand that AI is around the corner and, you know, how's that going to, interrupt or disrupt obviously the business models that we have but we've had dr google for quite some time anyway this is just the next iteration of it so um but i i think the other thing probably just from a technology perspective and this is obviously more software is that you know as a business we do actually use an external uh product called cubico uh, not a promotion for the product but maybe just explain how using other third-party tools which is obviously call it a piece of technology in this situation a piece of software uh, and the sort of information it can bring to the surface that allows us to understand better how the practice is going yep. and then how we can use that information to help improve the practice. Well, Cubico is a number is one of a number of platforms that have been developed as sort of a plug-in to your electronic health records. This particular platform works with best practice. Um, I do believe that they're not the only player in the market. There are a number of companies in the market who are, have developed or are developing similar platforms. And what this platform enables us to do is to essentially pull business and clinical data from best practice and look at it on a web page side by side. So at the moment, if I want to work out, say, for example, what does a doctor bill per hour? 
I would need to go into best practice. I would need to pull one report that sort of I can use to calculate the number of hours a doctor worked in a period of time. I would pull another report that then tells me how much they build over that period of time, put the two together, and I would then have a dollar per hour for that particular doctor. With a platform like Cubico, it automatically pulls both bits of data, puts it together. It also provides me bulk billing rates. It gives me, say, uh, patient wait time. So how long did the patient wait to see a doctor? It shows me revenue per hour, revenue per day. I can even look at item numbers or an opportunity to say, how many times did a doctor bill a 23, but spend longer than 20 minutes with a patient? So it can also show me reports like that. Uh, there is a huge amount of data that the platform actually use creates that I don't even use or we don't even use. But we also have been able to use it to customize certain reports and look at exactly what we want to and have those reports built and then look at them on a single page with all of our centers side by side. We can also make these platforms available to our doctors who can then look at just their information and see how they're going in comparison to the rest of the group. So it's it's an interesting platform. It's got a long way to go with far as how they deliver the data, but it is a fantastic business tool for running the practice remotely. Wonderful. Um, now, I know that we could keep going for quite some time, but uh, we'll call this part one of uh, effective practice management. I think I've got the question four of 20. So I think we'll come we'll back and pick progress. this up at another time and let them let everybody do that. So thanks very much, Matt, for your time today. Um, and thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast and as I said we will pick this up because there is lots of uh, hints and tips that we'd love to share with you around obviously trying to run an effective practice you know we, we do understand it's complex and difficult and uh, you know I mean to be honest you know the way that we've learned is getting hints and tips from others so uh, we're just passing this on as to uh, to everybody else as well so thanks for once again Matt. My pleasure Paul thank you very much. Excellent. And uh, thank you, everybody, for your time today. We'll look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe so you can get updates whenever we post more. And please share it with others. And for more info, please go to helpsert.com.